Good afternoon. Welcome to the Deets for Iowa podcast episode, officially episode number two. Um, and uh, we are recording this uh, on Friday, September 2nd, 2016, and uh, hoping to get this up a little bit later today, maybe not until uh, tomorrow, so it might be released on uh, Saturday, September 3rd. But in any event, uh, recording on Friday, September 2nd, 2016. Uh, in this in this uh, episode, we're going to talk about how media drives narrative. Uh, and there was a glaring article that was written. Um, I first seen it published in the uh, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Uh, I thought in, initially, um, only because I uh, read too quickly, I thought that it was uh, their article that one of their staff writers had written. Turns out it was written... Uh, by an Associated Press writer, um, which makes it all the worse uh, that something like this would go on with the Associated Press. But uh, not surprising uh, for those of us who've been following things like this for uh, a number of years. But uh, anyway, we're going to talk about uh, how media drives things, and then there's another uh, another example uh, that we'll talk about as well. Uh, this one was with the uh, with the Wall Street Journal, actually. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk about those things uh, all coming up in this episode, and um, you know, normally in this part of the episode, I'd also uh, preview some upcoming events uh, that might be going on. Only thing I really know about at this point that I can uh, mention off the top of my head, I know tomorrow, uh, which would be Saturday, September 3rd, Gary Johnson is going to be appearing in Des Moines at Grandview University. Uh, so that's pretty exciting uh, that a Libertarian uh, nominee, uh, Libertarian candidate for president, uh, has enough funds in the bank that he's actually able to uh, travel the country uh, and do a little bit of campaigning. He's been, he's been hitting some spots and uh, at doing, some, uh, doing some actual campaigning and actual politicking. So that, that's exciting. Um, you know, he's, he's hitting roughly 10% in the polls, and there was a, uh, uh, there was a, a Star Tribune article uh, recently that made the point that he's, he's hitting 10% in these polls, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's as a secondary question. So if they were to treat him as an actual candidate and not say third-party candidate or not treat him as a uh, secondary option if they would just say you know put them out there as the primary part of the question uh are you voting for hillary clinton are you voting for donald trump are you voting for gary johnson are you voting for jill stein although i'm not really sure that jill stein belongs in the same discussion that's a whole nother podcast but um if they would were to just do that odds are pretty good that he would hit the 15 percent that he needs to get into the debates so uh, anyway, uh, Gary Johnson will be in uh, in Des Moines uh, this weekend, coming up this Saturday. Coming up after the break, uh, we're going to do a new segment. Uh, new se- It's episode two, so everything's kind of new. Uh, but uh, we're going to do something called What Grinds My Gears. And uh, it's a little something I ripped off from Family Guy. But uh, uh, we'll do that coming up here after this break. You know what really grinds my gears? You know, nothing grinds my gears worse than some chowder head who doesn't know when to keep his big tramp shut. Welcome back to the Deeds for Iowa podcast, episode number two. And now it is time for What Grinds My Gears, sponsored by 
well, nobody at this point, <laughs> but uh, um, uh, if, if you would like to sponsor this particular portion of the show, get a hold of me, deets4iowa at gmail.com, uh, or uh, just uh, hit the contact button here on the website at deets4iowa.com, and uh, be happy to talk about that. Um, this segment's going to be somewhat lighthearted, uh, just going to talk about something that uh, as we go through these episodes here. I need to have different things uh, that I highlight, have to kind of break it up into different things. And so what I want to talk about in this segment of What Grinds My Gears is, uh, notice this in uh, a an area town, not the town that I live in, but um, although I think I've seen it here, um, pretty much seen it a lot of different places. Police officers who don't use their turn signals... Now, police officers are human beings. We understand this. Um, but <laughs> I just find it funny uh, when, a, when a police officer doesn't use his turn signal. It's like one of the most basic things of driving, right? You're driving around, and you need to make a right-hand turn. You hit your right-hand turn signal, right? Uh, and uh, I'm driving around this town the other day, and I don't want to mention the name of the town, because I. it's called What Grinds My Gears, not... Uh, this is who I want to get fired today, so I don't want to get anybody in trouble by any means. But what it, I, I'm just saying, you know, I'm driving around this town and happen to be behind a police officer. We're going to uh, the same destination. We end up going to the same restaurant and uh, the same drive-through. And uh, it, you know, as it turns out, we make like three or four turns together. He probably thinks that I'm tailing him, which is uh, probably a, a different situation for him to be in. But um, you know, what was interesting is. Every single turn that I made, I'm using my turn signal. He's not using his. Um, got me thinking later on, you know, maybe I should have looked to see if he was wearing his seatbelt. Because it's the same kind of thing. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just interesting that uh, if, if the situation were to be reversed, he would have had every excuse and every reason to pull me over and give me an, a citation for failing to use my turn signal. Or, God forbid, had... I've been in an accident, and had it been caused by my not using a turn signal, uh, that's something that they could have then added to the to the citation to say, uh, well, this is this is why the, the accident was caused, and and so that's an additional hundred dollars on your citation or whatever whatever the charge would be. But uh, you know, it's not the first time I've seen it, and uh, so that's why I say this is what it's what it's what's grinding my gears today. You know, what's with these guys not using their turn signals? But uh, anyway, that's going to do it for that segment today. Uh, what really grinds my gears. Coming up at the end of the show, uh, to kind of balance things out, we're going to do something um, that uh, I'm kind of toying around with the name on right now. So, uh, But it's going to be um, a little bit more serious uh, to kind of balance things out. I don't want to make it sound like I'm always complaining about something. So we'll have something to kind of something more serious to kind of lift us up toward the end of the show. Coming up after this break, uh, uh, we are going to talk about uh, uh, this, the subject that we talked about at the top of the, top of the show, which was uh, media pushing a narrative, media driving uh, different narratives that, that they seem to want to push. Um, and uh, again, uh, kind of got tipped off with this article um, that I actually first seen online uh, shared on the uh, uh, on the Facebook page of the Water of the Cedar Falls Courier, and then seen today, it was actually on the front page, 
of the Des Moines Register, uh, an article from the Associated Press. So we'll talk about that coming up right after this break on Deets for Iowa podcast episode number two. So we're going to get into this uh, discussion now on uh, this article that I've been talking about that, as I mentioned, I originally uh, seen shared from the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier and the title of the article is Waterloo Officer Disciplined After Yanking Suspects' Dreadlocks. Now that's the title of the article, that's the headline. And right away in the headline, I, I don't have I don't have I guess I don't have a lot of problem with the headline. Although I think you can just say hair. I don't know if you have to say dreadlocks. To me that you're already kind of trying to drive a narrative there when you say that the individual has dreadlocks. Because I don't think it matters what hairstyle the person has. The the point that you're getting at is you want you want to say the important facts of the headline are there was a police officer that has been disciplined, and the reason he was disciplined was because he he pulled a suspect's hair. Okay, so. Clearly, they're trying to get at something there by saying that uh, the suspect had dreadlocks. Um, and the first uh, the first line of the article is an angry white officer repeatedly yanked on the dreadlocks of a handcuffed black man who was arrested after a dangerous high speed chase in Iowa then hit him twice on the back of the head as seen in video obtained this week by the Associated Press. This uh, Associated Press article, um, uh, I don't see the author right now, uh, although I did see it uh, when I looked at the Des Moines Register earlier, so maybe I'll I'll pull that up later. But uh, it's uh, it's an Associated Press article. So shared, uh, you know, obviously throughout the state of Iowa in numerous publications. Uh, But anyway, so my immediate reaction and my immediate comment on their Facebook page was just to point out the blatant and obvious race baiting that the author of this article is trying to do. And so my comment on the Waterloo Cedar Falls Facebook post was, here, let me go ahead and rewrite the opening line for you so it doesn't sound so much like you're obviously race baiting. And so... My suggestion was, according to reports, an allegedly angry Waterloo police officer yanked on the hair of a handcuffed man who was arrested following a high-speed chase. I say you're welcome. That comment kind of blew up a little bit. Over 100 likes um, on that thread. And lots lots of positive comments followed. And most all of the comments that followed mine after that, were along the same lines. I mean, you're talking, I mean, people are upset, not so much at what's going on and what they're describing in the article, but at the way the person who wrote the article, the way they so obviously wanted to make the story about race, and it's not really even about race. Let's dig into the article some more, and uh, and I'll, I mean, we'll talk about what the actual story is about. So, 
Again, the opening line, an angry white officer repeatedly yanked on the dreadlocks of a handcuffed black man who was arrested after a dangerous high-speed chase in Iowa, then hit him twice on the back of the head as seen in video obtained this week by the Associated Press. Officer Adam Winnemeyer was disciplined after an internal investigation into the April 19 incident. A state prosecutor declined to seek criminal charges against the officer, concluding jurors would understand why he was mad at 24-year-old Montavis Keller, whose car nearly hit Whitmire near the end of the chase. The video shows the officer briefly assaulting Keller and berating him. Waterloo Police Chief Daniel Tralka said details of the discipline are confidential under Iowa law, but he described the punishment as, quote, significant, unquote. Uh, police Chief uh, goes on to say, I don't condone Officer Wittemeyer's conduct whatsoever. Keller's attorney, Tom Frerichs, uh, referred the video to the FBI this week and asked for an inquiry. He said the officer crossed the line by trying to punish Keller himself and criticized the department's decision not to fire Wittemeyer. I can't think of any other job. This is, the, uh, this is Keller's attorney now speaking. Uh, I can't think of any other job in which an employee is allowed to repeatedly hit another person pull out some of their hair, and still keep their job. So you see just in the way the attorney talks about this, the term dreadlocks is not needed in the headline, because even he says hair. Um, and even, even the attorney in the quote doesn't mention race, because it's not about race. It's about a cop that was angry. Okay? And it wouldn't have had to have been a cop. As, as we dig in farther... You can see why any individual, uh, regardless of their profession, would have been angry at what was going on. The article continues, and this is where a lot of people start to get into have a lot of problems with the way this particular article is written. It says, Waterloo has the highest percentage of black residents of any city in Iowa, but nearly all white, uh, but a nearly all-white police department, which has suffered a string of costly missteps involving force and lack of professionalism. The city has approved settlements with black residents worth at least $2.7 million this year. So again, they're going back to race and pointing out this is a city that has a high uh, black population and what they're saying is a primarily all-white uh, all police force. Uh, I haven't verified that. I don't, know, uh, I don't know the racial makeup of the Waterloo Police Department. I do happen to know that Waterloo's mayor is black. Um, so clearly there's at least an effort on the voters part. Um, if, if they're playing, you know, the, uh, mayor Hart is their first, uh, black mayor in the city of Waterloo. And I don't, I don't look at race this way. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't see things like that. I think people are voted. I think people vote for people based on their merits as individuals, as candidates. I don't really think race plays a lot into it, although I will say, you know, in 2008, I think people were led to vote for Barack Obama because of this, it was an opportunity to remove this stigma that we had never had a black president. So, um, and that's one of the things that scares me about Hillary Clinton, quite honestly, is because it'll, it'll be an opportunity to remove this stigma that we've never had a female president. Um, but anyway, that's off topic. Um, and, uh, so, you know, you may have a little bit of that that plays in, um, but for the most part, I don't really think people judge candidates that way. Um, and by the same token with police departments, when the police chief is interviewing people, I don't, think he's, I don't think he's looking at applications going, well, that guy's black, he's out. 
I don't think I don't think that's the way it works. As a matter of fact, a good police chief would probably look and say, you know, I need somebody who can relate to my citizens. So, um, so, um, you know, I really don't think that plays very much into it. The article uh, then continues, says the afternoon chase started when another officer spotted Keller speeding and weaving and sought to pull him over. Keller sped away. Several patrol cars joined the chase as the suspect reached up to 90 miles per hour. Again, this is within the city limits of Waterloo, so 90 miles an hour. Definitely not uh, uh, something that's okay. Keller sped away. Several patrol cars joined the chase. Again, uh, okay, we already said that. So uh, as the suspect reached up to 90 miles an hour, Wittemeyer, that's the officer, eventually put down tire puncturing sticks to disable Keller's vehicle. Pretty standard. Uh, which veered around a school bus and then toward the officer who had to run to get out of harm's way, according to a criminal complaint. The car then crashed into a house where the occupants were not injured but had to evacuate due to a suspected gas line rupture. Okay, so now you can kind of see why any individual, officer or not, white or not, regardless of the race of the suspect, would be getting very furious at the suspect driving 90 miles per hour through the residential areas of Waterloo around a school bus and then finally into a house. Patrol car video shows Keller complying with demands to get on the ground and showing no resistance as he's pinned down by three officers and handcuffed. Wittemeyer then comes running into the frame calling Keller a freaking idiot. He kneels down, grabs Keller's dreadlocks again. With the use of the term, we get the point. Uh, yanks on his hair multiple times, calls him a moron and other expletives. He appears to hit the suspect with his hand twice on the back of the head and continues calling him names. Wittemeyer and another officer then throw Keller into a police car. In May, Blackout County Attorney Brian Williams asked the Iowa Attorney General's office to review Wittemeyer's actions after discovering the footage on video captured by sheriff's deputies according to an email obtained by the Associated Press under open records laws. Quote, I am not prejudging anything, but I do believe it needs an independent review, Williams wrote to Assistant Attorney General Scott D. Brown. In a June 17th letter, Brown said he believed no criminal charges were sustainable against Wittemeyer, saying the officer was understandably agitated. Quote, uh, Wittemeyer could be charged with simple misdemeanor assault, but jurors would learn of the circumstances that led to the encounter, Brown wrote. Based upon this fact, in my review of the entire matter, the likelihood of a Blackout County jury convicting Officer Wittemeyer is minimal, if not completely non-existent, he wrote. Adding the contact happened quickly, appears slight, and uh, did not hurt Keller. Keller, who has no prior criminal record, but he... Why does the prior criminal record matter? The guy was driving 90 freaking miles per hour away from a police officer through residential Waterloo. Uh, now, I'm not, I'm not defending the police officer's actions after the chase ended, after the guy runs into the house, but you could see, again, where, how an individual would be upset. And we can get into a whole other discussion about whether police officers need to be held to a higher standard and how they should conduct themselves. In this particular subject, in this particular topic, I just want to focus on the fact he's a human being and he watched this guy drive 90 miles an hour, weaving in and out of traffic around a school bus and finally hitting a house, breaking a gas line. Yeah, he's upset. Um, again, uh, Keller, who has no prior criminal record, Charged with four felonies, including attempting to assault a police officer, eluding police, and possessing 
42 and a half grams of marijuana with intent to deliver. Scheduled to stand trial later this month. Uh, Frerichs provided the Associated Press with video after the Sheriff's Office rejected an open records request for the footage, citing the pending charges. Release of video surprised the Waterloo Police Chief. Uh, Trelka, the Waterloo Police Chief, said, I certainly agree that it should ultimately be made available due to transparency and public interest. He goes on to say, however, this is currently a pending case. And that's certainly um, something that we say quite frequently, or we see quite frequently, is, listen, when something is currently under investigation, they're very tight-lipped about it. They don't, they don't want a lot getting out uh, when something is currently uh, under investigation. Uh, so that's what this is all about. And, uh, you know, I just, think, I just find it really ridiculous that the press tries to drive this narrative. You heard me tell the whole story, and, and I'm sorry. I, I read the article... And the important things to me are you have a suspect driving 90 miles per hour through a residential area. If you're in the, if you're in the seat of that police officer and you see him weave in and out of traffic at 90 miles per hour, yep, you're probably going to be upset. And then he crashes into a house and breaks a gas line. You're probably going to be upset even further. Now... The actions that take place from there, not condoning those whatsoever, and I would agree, there needs to be an independent investigation outside of the police department into the actions, especially considering that there is video evidence of what happened, to take a look at if any discipline needs to, needs to take place. But the one thing that doesn't ever enter into my thought process, and I don't think enters into the process of the thought process of most people who are able to give any depth of thought to the story whatsoever is race. Other than the suspect was racing down the down the road, the residential roads, yeah, that I mean, then race comes in comes into play. But seriously? I mean, this AP article is just telling you straight out, hey, this was this was a, another case of a black suspect and a white police officer. Well, I'm sorry, in this particular case, I don't believe that's got anything to do with it. We're going to have more on this, and uh, we'll touch on the uh, Wall Street Journal article also coming up uh, on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. Welcome back for, to the uh, Deets for Iowa podcast, episode number two. Sean Deets uh, here, and uh, we're talking about uh, not necessarily media biases, although that's certainly part of the equation, but what we're talking about is media driving narratives and uh, we mentioned that on the on the racial side of things in in the first segment with uh, that associated press article um, and the uh, the black suspect with the white police officer um, and you know they went out of their way numerous times to talk about uh, those two facts those are facts yes that's those are facts of the case but they're but they're not relevant facts um, and and now I want to point out something from the Wall Street Journal. You have on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, and um, I'm trying to see. This is just a, a picture that somebody had taken, so I'm trying to see. Okay, this is from yesterday. This is from Thursday, September 1st, the Wall Street Journal. Uh, two different markets, same picture, same article, two different headlines. On, on the one, 
It's a picture of Donald Trump shaking the hand of the Mexican president. And the, the first image says, Trump softens his tone. The second image, it's the exact same image. And it's the exact same article. But the headline for this particular market is, Trump talks tough on wall. Now, you think they're not trying to drive a narrative here? You think, you think that the purpose of the different headline, you think that the purpose of the different tones is not, at best, at best, it's to sell newspapers. That's the, that's the best I can give you, is the first one, Trump softens his tone, is clearly going to a more liberal market. Trump talks tough on wall. That's clearly going to a more conservative market. At best, the motivation here is to try to sell more papers. But it's the Wall Street Journal. As a friend of mine calls them, the War Street Journal. Isn't it possible that they're also trying to garner a little bit of support for Trump as well. You can certainly make that argument, right? That the Wall Street Journal going to the more liberal market, Trump softens his tone. There are liberals that don't want anything to do with Hillary Clinton. And you can, you can completely understand why. She's a criminal. People who are supporting her recognize that. They'll lie about it, but they recognize it. Trump softens his tone. So, okay, let's, let's see if we can't get some, some, uh, some Democrats to support Donald Trump with this. So we've got a picture of Donald Trump shaking hands with the Mexican president. Trump softens his tone. So that brings down some of the ire and also some of the some of the folks on the right who don't particularly care for Trump's tone. Trump softens his tone. On the flip side, Trump talks tough on wall. Well, that's, if, if this, and it was, going to the conservative market, then you could say, that they're trying to ease those fears that Trump may in fact have been softening his stance. But quite frankly, he's changing... Quite quite frankly, he's changing his position about every 90 minutes on this immigration thing. And I don't want to get into that because that's not what this particular episode is about. And frankly, that's not what this podcast is about. That's not what this website is about. Uh, You know, we're going to touch on presidential things here and there, but in the broad scheme of things, I don't care. I'm not touching it. I bring this up solely for the purpose of the media driving the narrative. Again, we've got to be smart enough. We've got to be diligent enough to do our own homework, to do our own research and to know to call out media BS when we see it. And I was glad to see with that AP article that we talked about in the first segment that a lot of people were willing to do that. 
Um, that was just one of the more blatant things that I had ever seen. Um, and that's why I was glad to call him out. A good friend of mine, uh, well, Facebook friend of mine. I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever met Shane outside, outside of Facebook. Interesting. Shane, if you're listening, I, I don't know if we've met, but we should meet. <laughs> Shane Vanderhart, uh, good Facebook friend of mine, um, who uh, writes the Caffeinated Thoughts blog and covers a lot of different political things, actually picked up on uh, that and, and wrote a blog on on that uh, on that topic uh, just because of the fact that, you know, um, you know, as, as he mentioned, it was one of the more blatant um, examples of of race baiting that that you know comes to mind. I mean, and it'll be forgotten, you know, probably by this time tomorrow. But um, you know, the t- the title of his blog on it was "Obvious Race Baiting by Associated Press," and Shane goes on to talk about you know. Um, How you know we don't necessarily condone the police officer's action after the suspect was apprehended, um, and that it certainly warranted an internal investigation. Um, but as he points out, the guy would have been just as angry, regardless of the suspect's race. Um, and his closing, I love his closing line. But hey. Why just write a story when you can push a narrative? You know, as the, as the left always says, never, never let a good crisis go to waste. That's all I've got for today, folks. Uh, we appreciate you uh, listening, and uh, we'll be back right after this with today's uh, today's thought. And uh, want to thank Shane Vanderhart for writing that uh, writing that piece based off of uh, the Associated Press race baiting article. And uh, again, when we come back after the break, we'll have our Uh, we'll have our devotion. Welcome back to the Beats for Iowa podcast again, uh, recording on Friday, September 2nd, 2016. And uh, maybe we'll call this our moment of truth. Uh, I I really like truth. Um, I talked about at the beginning of the show that I hadn't really named this segment yet, but maybe we'll call this our moment of truth. Um, But everything, everything in our lives has to be based on truth has to be. You don't have to like truth, but you at least have to recognize it as such, and you have to, you have to base your reality in that truth. Um, I, I listen to R.C. Sproul's podcast uh, every day, um, and if you uh, read through some of my uh, bio and some of my information here on the website, you'll see that uh, I reference R.C. I also uh, talk about Robbie Zacharias. Um, and uh, some of those things that I read and look at uh, on a daily basis. Um, and I, I have the Ligonier app on my phone. That's R.C. Sproul's stuff. And, and so I'll probably be reading from the, the Ligonier app, the Ligonier uh, devotion. Um, and I haven't asked them for permission to use their name or for permission to uh, use that. So um, we're just going <laughs> to file this under uh, fair use for now, I guess. And, and I should probably send an email out to Ligonier. Uh, if we're going to continue this, but uh, anyway, um, the, in their in their daily devotion for today on the Ligonier app, it's called "Moving Out in Faith," and we read, 
Abraham went to a far country at the bidding of God. He was not young and foolish. He was advanced in years, being 75 years old, when God said to him, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. That's Genesis 12, verse 1. Abraham's move was not a temporary trip for purposes of study or relaxation. It was to be a permanent uprooting for himself and his immediate family. It meant leaving both his father's house and his fatherland. It meant leaving everything that was part of his security. He left his home, his property, his business, contacts, his doctor, and everyone else that was integral to his community. He took his wife, his nephew, and some servants. The only other person who, meant, uh, the only other person who went with him was God. What made Abraham's departure all the more startling was that he had no idea where he was going. He was a pilgrim with no place to call his home. But he went with a promise, a sacred pledge from God himself, that the Lord would show him a land wherein Abraham would become the father of a great nation. This moment in his life was memorialized by the author of Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8. Then I really like this, uh, R.C. Sproul does this at the end of his podcast, and he also uh, puts this, uh, or they also put this, uh, I don't know if R.C. writes these, but uh, Ligonier also puts these at the end of the uh, Daily Devotions, their Coram Deo, their Thought of the Day. Is God asking you to move out by faith in some area of your life or ministry? And I don't know if that's what's going on here uh, with, with what I'm doing with this podcast and this website. I don't know if that's what I'm doing. Certainly, it, certainly, it's not on the um, not on the level or plane of uh, God sending Abraham out to a, a great nation. But uh, certainly, the goal is is to make people think. And uh, if you're listening uh, to today's podcast, I, I hope you've thought about. Uh, I hope you will think about uh, some of the things that we've talked about. I want to thank everybody again. Uh, uh, for um, listening and uh, I want to thank again uh, Shane Vanderhart uh, for his blog post on the uh, on the Associated Press race baiting article that we talked about it's going to wrap it up for today hopefully uh, I had I had talked in episode one about trying to do these once a week and I'm about uh, two weeks behind that mark on episode two so hopefully uh, hopefully things pick up and uh, I get a little bit more disciplined at these things as, as we move forward. Again, that's all for today. Thanks so much. And again, uh, be sure to check out uh, Shane's blog at caffeinatedthoughts.com. We'll be sure to uh, mention that in, uh, in this posting, uh, in the information for this posting as well. It's going to do it. God bless. Have a good day. Bye.